0: At the time of me recording this episode, 99% of the people will tell you that the Dubai real estate market is a seller's market. Well, I agree with them. In this very special episode of the Dubai Real Estate Podcast, I sit down with Raj from my content team and discuss all things about being in a seller's market, what it means to be in a seller's market, how did we get here, and what it means for buyers, investors, and sellers. Also, if you're a first-time real estate investor, this episode is really important for you. But before we go ahead, if you're watching this on YouTube, please do hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, likes and comments are really welcome. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please do give us a five-star rating and review. This really helps us getting discovered and Spotify listeners, please do follow. So let's cue the music.
1: Okay, here we're talking about a seller's market today. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, fantastic. Let's start at the beginning. What is a seller's market? How do we know that we're in one? So look, Raj, uh, what is a seller's market? A seller's market is a market where you have less number of
0: sellers, more number of buyers, uh, more demand, less supply in the simple terms. So uh, that's a seller's market uh, where sellers are in a position to negotiate better and uh, the buyers are not in a better position to negotiate as much. Uh, how do we know we are in one? Uh, there are various factors. As I said, one is demand and supply. When you go out in the market, you find less number of properties, uh, but more number of people wanting to buy those properties. Uh, secondly, prices going up you know every uh, you know few weeks or months depending on the type of property. So prices is going up, uh, offers getting rejected uh very often and not only that at sometimes we're also seeing uh you know bidding wars between uh two or three buyers wanting to buy the same property there's one property on the market three people wanting to buy so many times we're also seeing properties
1: selling above the asking price as well so when did we arrive in a seller's market What and what was the tipping point that got us here
0: look if you ask about uh you know the buyer real estate market uh currently we entered into a seller's market you could say you know Post the lockdown was lifted, uh, you could say, from quarter four of twenty twenty, we started seeing a rise in demand, and uh, it 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 went up. uh, You know the demand picked up very fast. So yes, we're seeing. uh, You could say about uh, yeah, end of twenty twenty, beginning of twenty twenty one. We can take a guess, but how did we get here? I mean, there two three things fundamentally. The markets were going down for past almost six years, you know, uh, quarter three 2014, they've been declining uh, till uh, you could say, uh, you know, Q1 of uh, 2020, Or no, not Q1 of 2020, you could say, yeah, quarter one of 2020, uh, the markets were kind of, you know, uh, quarter one, quarter two, they were declining. Obviously COVID happened and, uh, you know, the world was under lockdown and all, but the moment things started getting back Uh, people realized the need for larger homes. Uh, They also realized that, uh, you know, during this lockdown, what they actually used the most was their homes. Uh, So the demand overall increased. And it's not just in Dubai, but globally, you know, the demand for houses have gone up. You know, any major city you talk about, whether you talk about London, New York, LA, all these places, you know, uh, the demand for homes have gone up. And logically, if the markets were in decline for six years, there's no such thing as number of years but you know it was a long period that the markets were in decline the prices were literally very very cheap and even now it's it's
1: it's still quite affordable as compared to a lot of other cities in the world you've spoken about this in other episodes of the Dubai real estate podcast and Dubai real estate masterclass on youtube that market forces don't always affect all categories of property equally yes. which categories have we seen an increase in uh, seller power is it all of them no
0: it's not all of them. It's not across uh, what do you say uh, the entire market that everything in the market is in very high demand. Uh, luxury segment, yes, it's an extreme high demand. When I say luxury segment, we're talking about uh, larger homes, villas, uh, townhouses, penthouses, larger apartments, and not across all areas, but in prime and super prime locations. So you know, so one is any any villa community. Or townhouse community, yes, it's in high demand because of larger homes. Uh, any uh, high-end uh, and prime areas, such as the Palm Jumeirah, be it uh, you know, uh, Blue Waters Island, uh, be it uh, Marina, JBR, downtown,
1: larger homes in these areas, penthouses, uh, yes, they're in very high demand. What does it mean for investors, whether they're choosing to move in or put them on rent?
0: Look, uh, if, if someone wants to live in, depending on what they want to buy, they need to st- there's still opportunity to be found in the market. Uh, it doesn't mean that if it's a seller's market, there's nothing good to buy. There's still, but you need to be more selective and more uh, you
1: know, uh, particular about uh, sorting out what you're buying and you need to do your research well. So now let's look at both sides of the coin in a seller's market, which is how does a seller sell in a seller's market and how does a buyer buy in a seller's market? Starting off with the sellers, I'm assuming their agenda is they wanna get the maximum amount of money for their property. So what are the tips for a seller looking to sell in a seller's market?
0: Look, well, uh, in general, yes, you know, in a seller's market, the seller is at an advantage. And, uh, you know, if someone wants to sell and cash the property, uh, get, you know, exit the investment, obviously, it's the best time for them. Uh, But again, you know, what happens is in a seller's market also, a seller needs to be really, uh, you know, organized with the sale. Uh, Two, three things they need to really uh, make sure of that they don't put the market the property in the market out to everyone. You know, what happens is when out the property- to every agent. Every agent, you know, like it should not be uh, made available to, you know, every person in the market who's an agent that, you know, everybody's selling your property. What happens is when 10 or 20 people are talking about the same property, usually it becomes like, you know, that this property is not getting sold.
1: So what's the safe number? The minimum so will be usually, one.
0: Usually, you know, I, I, I would, there are two ways of approaching this. One is if uh, the sellers have a trusted agent who they've been working with, they know them and have a good relation, you appoint one person exclusively, but make sure that that person goes out in the market and approaches the other agents as well because it's not necessary that one agent will be able to sell your property. So if the agent who's handling your sale has a good agent network in the market along with a good buyer's network also, uh, that is a good scenario because in that way, a seller can actually... You know, make sure the price which is going out in the market, uh, the negotiations
1: happen in a nice manner and they get maximum benefit. So to summarize that point, you will always have multiple agents marketing your property, but you're saying from an admin point of view and from a structure point of view, if you do have one central agent or primary agent, let them then be in charge of all the other agents marketing the property. Yes,
0: that is one, one, one way of doing it. The second way is don't go beyond more than two or three agents to deal with your property. That you know, you give it out to three uh, agents and uh, let them handle, you know, uh, the sale. But it doesn't really make sense that you know, ten agents have listed the same property because what happens is when you, you when a when a when a when a buyer is searching and he says, oh listen, I'm seeing ten advertisements for the same property. That means this property is not getting sold. Makes a lot of sense. You know, so that is uh, one thing which you really need to be careful about. Secondly. Sellers really need to. What happens is, uh, in a seller's market, we've seen this very often that sellers back out of deals. Okay, uh, they put it out, put, they put the property out in the market for an X amount of price, and they realize oh, someone's willing to pay, so they get a little more greedy, saying oh, if today someone, for example, is paying me 10 million, maybe I should increase the price to 11 million or maybe 12 million, and I'll get an offer. So before you put that out, because you can be lucky with doing that once, but if you do that once, twice, thrice. The name in the market goes out that listen. This seller is either just trying to test the waters, what he's getting, or he's not really serious about selling the property. Ideally, you, you you make up your mind what price you want, and if you're getting that price, then you should be committed towards that sale. Because also, uh, Raj, what happens is the agents working towards that property. If this happens once or twice, and they realize that you know the seller is really you know backing out again and again, their interest also on working on your property goes down.
1: What happens then if you feel like the opposite of what you're saying, if you have a price and then you realize that demand is high and you want to increase it, maybe you can get away with it once or twice, but maybe what happens if you feel like you've maybe priced it to 5% too high? Should you be patient or should you make a downward move? Look,
0: If you, if you've priced it high, you can always reduce the price. Okay. If you feel that, you know, the property sitting on the market, it's been a few months and you're not getting any potential interest on the property and you want to reduce the price, you can do that. Okay. Uh, also, it depends on what offers you're getting. Say, for example, you've listed the property at a certain price, but the offers which you're getting are 10, 20 percent lower. That means probably the you know the market is not really willing to accept the property at a certain price. So then, in that case, yes, you can reduce the price. Uh, now you would say same way the person can increase. But what happens is when you put a price tag on something, and once some, when someone comes to you and says, "Okay, I'm willing to pay this," and then when you increase the price, that's really you know, uh, that's uh,
1: something which not a lot of people like. Okay, so now let's combine the two, pricing and marketing. You've talked before about the correct marketing being critical, so not just doing property listings. Yes. Between you and your agent, what can be done to market the property to attract the attention of the right buyers?
0: Look, there are a lot of ways in today's uh, day and age where you can, uh, there are a lot of innovative ways people are marketing properties today. Uh, obviously there are listing portals which are you know the older ways of uh, marketing a property but apart that social media today is playing a very important role i'm also seeing a lot of influencer marketing uh, getting into this uh, space so uh, and obviously a private network of uh, you know ultra high net worth individuals is also something if a agent has the correct uh, resources to reach or a correct, uh, you know, uh,
1: database of buyers where they're dealing with, that is also something which you need to look into. Okay, now one of the fundamentals (coughs) of a seller's market is, clearly there is increased demand. If a seller does find themselves in a fortunate position where there's lots of demand, how do they assess if the buyer is serious?
0: Look, two, three things. One, if it's a mortgage buyer, obviously you'll ask them that, you know, do they have a pre-approval? If you're talking about a property which is really high in value, uh, then obviously you or can ask for proof of funds uh, before you accept the offer or something so that you know that the person is serious and is willing to put down a deposit usually also in Dubai what happens is uh, when you put in an offer they ask for a check copy uh, so a lot of people uh, you know who are serious are very happy to put down a check also to show seriousness of the offer
1: mm-hmm. and then when everything's said and done are timelines affected during a seller's market who sets them how can they be influenced
0: Look, timelines, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, you need to keep some time if you want to actually take proper value while selling the property. Uh, If you are in a rush, it doesn't matter whether you're in a seller's market, buyer's market. If you're in a rush, obviously, someone would want to take advantage, okay? Uh, Because, look, even in a seller's market, a buyer will want to negotiate. They are not uh, just going to go buy the price what you they want to negotiate they yeah. want to try their luck maybe okay you might not want to negotiate but still from a buyer's perspective you know everybody wants to try that okay can i get it for a little cheaper or whatever so you need to be a little patient give it some time and have a decent timeline in your hands to get
1: the maximum value out of it okay let's look at the final part then of today's podcast which is how a buyer buys when it's a seller's market now the buyer is clearly on the back foot here what are some of the high-level tips that you can give a buyer who wants to go out and make a purchase in a seller's market?
0: Look, now this is the main thing, Raj, you know. Uh, buying in a seller's market, uh, this is something that you really need to be very careful about. Uh, I'm not saying you shouldn't be buying, you should be buying, you can buy, uh, and you can find opportunities, but you should know how to. Uh, first and foremost, if you're uh, looking at any ready property, my first advice to buyers is do your market research well, okay? Figure out what you want. Figure out what have been the last few transactions of the similar type of houses uh, you like. This will give you an idea of what the prices are actually there. Secondly, if you get something, uh, don't get too greedy and don't spend too much time on negotiation. If you like a property, if you've liked it, you know this is in your budget, you know this is the type of property you want, and this is what you, uh, this is like, you know, uh, the ideal property for you don't go in for too much negotiations because you need to understand that in a seller's market and if that property is in demand, there are other buyers also behind it. So whoever acts quick and first will grab the opportunity. So this is where a lot of people make mistake that they sit and they think, oh no, now I'll start with a negotiation. I'll give an offer which is 20% down. I'll wait. If not, I'll increase. Don't think that you know you
1: are the only buyer. And typically when there's Increase supply or yeah. increase demand on either side of the spectrum, that can also create scenarios where there's bad practice or you know corruption or things like that. Like, what are some of the things that you should be careful of if you're Look, a buyer? One is
0: one is you have to be very careful about fake listings. Right? The first thing what most people do when they're searching properties, they go onto any of the listing portals, they see the listings and they'll send, oh, you know what, you're quoting me for this property, Uh, maybe say, okay, 10 million, but I'm seeing the same, similar type of property listed at 9 million, uh, 8.5, you need to see when was it listed. Is it really there? 99% of the times, in my experience, you know, when you search on a listing portal, if you sort the prices by the lowest prices, the first few, low, the lowest prices which you see are 99% fake. They're fake listings. They are just advertisements put to be like a clickbait where a person clicks. So the person who's listed it knows the name and number of the person who's interested in buying. So they can offer other properties. Now, this is a very common practice which happens. Unfortunately, it's not the correct practice, but it happens. Okay. Uh, so this is something which you really need to be careful about. That don't go by, okay, whatever is the lowest listing, that is the price. Because... What happens is, as a seller, I'll go and see the most expensive listing. As a buyer, I'll, I'm going to go and see the most uh, cheapest listing. The difference is a vast difference, and that's where people lose out on opportunities from both the sides. The seller is losing out the opportunity of selling the property at the correct price, and the buyer is losing out on the opportunity of getting the property at the right price because they are, you know, they're thinking this is this should be the price. Instead, whichever agent you're dealing with, ask them to give you the transaction prices. Most of the agents, at least any reputed agent or agency in this market, will have access to official land department data where they can give you exact transaction prices in the last six months or the last few transactions which have happened recently. Take that, that is the best way to actually compare, okay, what is the price at which the deal is happening? You know, I always tell my clients one thing, you know, when you talk about the price, okay, of a property The price of the property is not what the person is asking or demanding. The price of the property is the price at which it gets transacted. That's the real price. Don't go by the asking price or the offer price or what uh,
1: you you want to put in an offer. That's not the price. The price at which it gets transacted is the real price. Okay, now let's look at all of these three points again in terms of research and deciding what you want, figuring out the market value and acting quickly and obviously fake listings. Can we talk about all of those things again, but specifically with the lens of buying off-plan?
0: Look, Raj, uh, this is a very good question. When you are in a seller's market, uh, naturally the developers are also gonna get greedy. Uh, So developers also start increasing prices, the offers are not as great as what you would find something. Now this is where you need to be really careful about because uh, what happens is uh, you'll notice that every new launch getting sold out, a lot of people wanting to buy off-plan. Your people need to really uh, make sure on one thing that when you buy off plan, you're talking about an investment which is going to mature. When I say mature, means the property is going to get ready in a period of maybe three years, four years, whatever number of years, because it's being sold off plan. Uh, The developers just launched. You need to be very careful on what the price is. Uh, Payment plan, okay, yes, payment plan you need to put into, you know, as a calculation, how are you going to pay? That's one thing. But more than the payment plan, the price and the square foot. Looking at the price per square foot you're buying is very important. Don't just buy. This is like I repeatedly, repeatedly keep telling people just because a one bedroom is priced at 1 million, that does not mean that it's a great buy, you know, in the same area. Because what majority of the times happens, the a developer will show that, okay, a one bedroom is selling for 1.1 million, 1.2 million today. We've launched it at 1 million. Your property when it's ready will be 1.2. That is not the way you see. You see the square footage. The ready property is probably 800 or 1,000 square foot. The offline property which is being launched is 500 square foot. It's literally you know, uh, half of the area which you're buying. So when it's going to be ready, it is definitely not going to be that price because the size is smaller so this is where people really need to pay attention when they're buying off plan i'm not saying this applies to every development no but whenever an off plan is getting launched you need to be very selective on what off plan you're buying don't just go by the thing that today this property here is selling for an x amount of uh, price so if i buy off plan which is slightly cheaper or the same amount i'm going to get more not necessary you need to be very careful on what you're buying see the area see the layout see the uh, you know, uh, the, the amenities, see what the developers built in the past, and also make this calculation that you're buying into an off plan. Make sure you don't buy just to buy now and flip. This is again a lot of people make a mistake because what happens is uh, people think that we will put down a 10% down payment and uh, you know it's gonna get sold out. I'm gonna flip this property. Two things one, most developers have a resale condition. So read the resale condition very carefully. What I mean by resale condition is that if you bought as a first buyer, for you to resell the property, you must have you you must make a certain amount of payment to the developer, which is usually 30 to 40%. Now, many cases, the off-plan payment plans are such that you pay 40% during construction or 50%, right? So even if you've just paid 10% booking amount and you want to sell maybe after three months, you will have to complete 40% payment, even though it is not due to the developer to make that resale. Now, think of it from someone who's buying your property. Why will someone pay you a premium immediately if they have to put a 40% payment down, whereas the developer has only charged 10% from everyone? So there are these things which people don't realize. Also, you need to understand the moment you buy a property and you resell it, if you've paid the 4% DLD fees, right? for you to get a profit if if it i mean till the time the appreciation is not 5% you've not recovered your cost yeah the first 4% is the first not even 4% profit. Is the DLE. so these things are there so people need to understand that when you make an investment in offline and i personally also love i personally also like buying offline it's not that i don't like buying offline but i, I you know it it needs to be very selective not everything you need to do your research well understand what it is and then get into that and always get into the offline thinking that you are not going to sell in between. You have to hold and wait till it's ready. And this is the key for any sort of investment in real estate is patience. Invest, wait, and then you can get the profit out of it.
1: And if you don't like anxiety, then that three to four year gap is not for you, right? Not for
0: you then it's not for you because if, if you're gonna keep thinking oh my property is going up down this this is not a stock which you know every day is going up or down you have to wait for it you have to wait for a few years five years six years till it's ready the community is established then you get actual value right and i mean look there are there are there's enough data to prove that historically also like you know there are some great communities if you see uh for instance uh let's i'm just giving you an example of dubai hills and if i give you an example of say maple Maple, uh, when they launched, they were selling it around 2.1, 2.2 million, okay? Then the markets went down. Those same units were selling for maybe 1.7, 1.6, 5, not 1.7, but 1.7, 1.8 during the course of years when it was being built gradually, you know? Once the handover happened, people started moving in. The community got established. Today, those prices are at 2.5, 2.6 million, Okay, for the same thing which was sold at 2.1, 2.2. Now, who made money in this? The person who bought, didn't sell even if the prices went down, completed the payment on time, and now if they see, they are at a win. And also people who bought when the prices went down to 1.8, you know, or 1.7, whatever, they bought at that price Because they were like, oh, it's coming at a good price. I should buy. So the game is about patience. You know, you need to have when you're investing in off plan, you need to have patience. And this is just one example. There are like multiple examples like that, which I can give you where people have bought. They bought the right property, waited till it uh, got ready. The community got established and then, uh, you know, they saw value in
1: it. Okay, well, if there's ever a reason to work with an experienced consultant, it's when there's extreme market conditions. So how can anybody watching on YouTube or listening to the podcast right now contact you?
0: Uh, they can reach out to me on any of my social media handles at Tahir Majithia on uh, TikTok, on uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, anywhere. And they can also email me on tahir at com. I'm always happy to help.
1: Thanks so much Tahir. Go ahead and read
0: us out. Thanks for watching this episode of the Dubai Real Estate Podcast. I hope you really liked it. If you're watching this on YouTube, please do subscribe, hit the notification bell, like and leave your comments. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please do give us a 5 star rating and a review. This really helps us getting discovered. Spotify listeners, follow and I hope to see you in Dubai very soon.